0: Next next month My wife and I will celebrate 19 years of marriage We met on a blind date in Dallas in 1998 Uh, We got engaged in November of 1999. We broke off our engagement Christmas Day of 1999 Merry Christmas everyone We went through a hard time early 2000, but a good time. We got re-engaged on May 6th of 2000, married on September 30th of 2000, and been going strong ever since. 19 years. I got a picture to show you of us. Oh, that's not us right there. There we are. Aww. We've gotten older, over there on the right. Not Tara, yeah, she looks just the same. I got a better picture to show y'all. Show us the next one. Oh yeah. You're looking good, Kyle. That's awesome. They too have grown up quite a bit, as we can see in their picture. This third couple has really grown up since they've gotten married. Yeah, just uh, just celebrated their first anniversary. Way to go, Matt and Lauren, way to go. Hey, listen, we are doing a series called My Beloved, My Friend from Song of Solomon, chapter five, verse 16. On uh, September 29th, it'll be our English and Spanish congregations together, and that'll be the crescendo of this series. And what we're going to be doing, you'll get tired of us asking, but over the next several weeks we want you to send in your pictures. We want you to send in a wedding photo, and then we want you to send in a current photo. All right, you say, Mitch, I don't know how to do that, we got married so long ago. Find them, and all you got to do is take a nice photo of your photo, all right? The closer you get, the better, right, when we can see your face. That's really good. And on the 29th, we're going to put together a slideshow and just celebrate um, our marriages. All right. 19 years later, still going strong, still with the resolve to go to the very end until death do us part. I, Niche, take you, Tara, to be my lawfully wedded wife. To have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health. To love, honor, and cherish, and forsaking all others to keep you only to myself, so long as we both shall live. And our goal, I believe the goal for all of our marriages is to be oneness. Genesis chapter 2 God created Adam from the dust of the earth and he allowed Adam to name all of the animals and he saw a a male and a female and 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 he said where's mine and God said it's not good for man to be alone I'll make a helper suitable for him put Adam to sleep took one of his ribs and from that rib fashioned a woman brought her to him, and he looked at her and said, Oh, yeah, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. And Moses, reflecting on that, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother. He shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Oneness. Dennis Rainey of Family Life describes oneness this way, oneness in marriage involves complete unity with each other. It's more than a mere mingling of two humans, it's a tender merger of body, soul, and spirit. A tender merger of body, soul, and spirit. And oneness is not always easy to come by, is it? Not at all. Marriage can be very, very hard and there's much that stands in the way that makes oneness difficult. And if we were to use one word to describe the opposite of oneness for marriage, it might be isolation. That rather than experiencing a growing oneness, a husband and wife experience isolation. And if they're not careful, that isolation can grow. And ultimately, it can cause the end of the marriage. Marriage isn't always easy. There's plenty of reasons why marriages fail. We're going to look at some of those in just a minute. But I want us to begin with a passage of Scripture that gives us a little bit of insight, gives us a little bit of behind the scenes as to why marriage and the pursuit of oneness can be so difficult. If you have your Bible, please turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Maybe you don't have a Bible, maybe you got a phone, please turn on your phone to Ephesians chapter 5. If you're familiar with your New Testament, you know this is one of the classic passages on marriage Ephesians 5 verse 22 and following we're not going to do a verse-by-verse of it but I do want to read it chapter 5 verse 22 wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church he himself being the Savior of the body he who loves his own wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as christ also does the church because we are members of his body for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh this mystery is great but i'm speaking with reference to christ and the church Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. This passage, along with others, like Colossians 3 and 1 Peter 3 and the Song of Solomon and Genesis 1 and 2 and other places, give us a wonderful vision of marriage, of a husband who is the head, the servant leader of his family and a wife who is the helper, the servant lover of her family. And the husband and wife complement one another in a beautiful, coming together, tender merger of a husband and a wife. He, loving her and honoring her and praising her, and she respecting him and following him and together. Over the weeks and the months and the years and the decades, a picture of Christ and his church. This passage comes in the context of Ephesians, where in chapters 1, 2, and 3, Paul laid out all of this unbelievable stuff that God has done for us in his son, Jesus Christ. In uniting all who believe to Christ, forgiving them of their sins, sealing them with the Holy Spirit, promising them the future redemption of their bodies. Chapters one, two, and three is amazing doctrinal truth as to who we are because of God's great love in his son, Jesus Christ. Chapter four takes a turn. And with a key word, therefore, it changes from doctrine to duty, from belief to behavior, from our calling in Christ to our conduct in Christ. Therefore, in light of all that God has done for us, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And it looks at a number of different things in our life and calls us up to holiness and godliness in a number of different areas. And one of them is in marriage. Wives and husbands together. It's interesting. You know, it comes in chapter 6. If chapter five has that classic text on marriage, chapter six has the classic text on spiritual warfare. Why can marriage sometimes be so hard? Why can, for that matter, walking with Jesus and living a life of godliness and holiness be so hard? Chapter six, verse 10, As Paul is bringing this letter to a close, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness, in the heavenly places. The Bible is absolutely clear. There is a devil, an evil spirit in the world, and there are demons. Varying ranks and authorities and even maybe capabilities. They are invisible, yet they are real. Sometimes they work overt Oftentimes, subtle. More than you and I probably know, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And they are against us. In a similar passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, speaking of Satan... He prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's Peter talking to God's people. Satan is still after us. We sing about it. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. That's why we are enjoined to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might so satan and his band of demons have schemes strategies the greek word sounds like methods he would love to break up the oneness that you and I enjoy or pursue, and he would love to replace it with isolation, growing isolation, and the disillusion of your marriage and mine. He would love it, and apparently he's scheming to do it. What might some of those schemes be? Wonderful folks at Family Life, Ministries identify five you and I could probably come up with more, but these are pretty good One of his schemes that he uses to bring isolation and your marriage in mine is difficult adjustments Difficult adjustments Some of those are because of con- Contrasting backgrounds that you and your spouse Bring to the table and can and can bring on some painful adjustments You came from different backgrounds, and so your values were probably different when you came into marriage. Hopefully not, but some of you, your religion was different. Maybe you were a Christian, and you married a non-Christian. Or maybe you were a, a Protestant Christian, and you married a Catholic Christian, and those backgrounds can make it difficult. Some of you grew up with different values regarding finances. Maybe some of you grew up rich, and your spouse grew up poor. Maybe some of you grew up in a home where we save money. Others of you grew up in a home where we spend money. And when you came together, those different backgrounds make it tough. Now, shameless plug. We're gonna watch a financial peace video right now. Let's watch this. Then we'll get right back to Satan's scheme. ...have a
1: happy ending. Don't feel like it along the way.
0: We borrowed for everything. Want a new couch? Go finance it. Want a new TV? Go finance it. Want a new car? Go finance it. My whole philosophy was credit cards. I'll just work another week. <laughs> Swipe the car.
1: Everything kind of started to crash.
0: We started to see our marriage drop away. I personally owed $750,000 in debt. I was totally hopeless. You need to
1: decide if you want to be wealthy or if you want to look wealthy.
0: When somebody told me about FPU, I grabbed hold of it like a life preserver. It gave me hope that we could make our marriage work. Knowing where your money's going is a huge life changer.
1: Nobody owns me anymore. Nobody. It's opened up communication big time. All of a sudden we were back together on a crusade. We changed our family tree. I'm here to do my debt-free screen. Yeah, how much have you paid off? $456,000. $89,000. $120,000. $394,000. Three, two, three, two, one. Three, 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 This financial peace stuff is working. People are getting out of
0: debt and they're becoming millionaires.
1: We are the first generation that are millionaires. And we've given more than we ever imagined we could give. I
0: now have a net worth of $1.7 million. Hope is real. Money's a big reason why lots of marriages fail. Maybe you came from different backgrounds when it came to money. Maybe both of you came from backgrounds that didn't teach you anything about money, and so, boy, you just... Financial Peace University is a wonderful tool. If you need to go through it, it starts not this Wednesday, but next. September 4th, 6.30 to 8 o'clock, Right here, we'll have Team Kid for your nursery through fifth graders, RSM for your sixth graders, your junior high and senior high students. So everybody will be taken care of. Not this Thursday, but the following Thursday. We'd love to know you're coming. Redeemercommunity.life, sign up there. Family history. I came from a home where my mom and daddy were married for 50 years. They celebrated 50 years in September of 2014 while my daddy was in the hospital. A month later, he passed away. Tara came from a home where mom and daddy busted up when she was two years old. Mama got married again when she was 12, divorced again by the time Tara was 15. We went through a broken engagement. Wanna guess why? Those different backgrounds past relationships, painful experiences. Some of you grew up, and boy, your just life was just filled with painful experiences. You married somebody, their life was a bed of roses, and it just caused you to bump up against each other. Contrasting backgrounds can make for some difficult adjustments. So can superficial motivations for getting married. Some of you maybe jumped into marriage because of your feelings. Oh, he was so cute and oh, he was so nice. He never did anything wrong, never said anything wrong, always looked great, always smelt great. Your feelings were just, this is great and we're gonna do this for 50 years. Those feelings, and then you got married and it lasted about five minutes, right? Some of you got married for sexual attraction or even involvement. You were attracted to them sexually, or maybe you got involved sexually, and that's powerful stuff. And because of that sexual attraction or because of that involvement, we're gonna get married, and we're gonna, this is gonna be great for the next 50 years. And then, of course, we all know that, that that sex is about this much of married life, right? There's this much of everything else. Maybe you got married because of cultural or family pressure. All your friends were getting married. Your grandma kept asking, when are you going to get married? Just, I I guess it's time, yes. Let's get married. Some of you maybe got married for escape. I don't like my life. Maybe marriage will change it. These are difficult adjustments. If we get married because of our feelings or because of sexual attraction or because of family pressure or because we're trying to escape something. Sometimes there's just different expectations in marriage, right? And those make for difficult adjustments. Expectations regarding roles. Who's going to do what in the relationship? Differing expectations on how love is expressed towards each other All right, all he needs is a high-five or a you know fist bump Whatever it might be and she she needs to sit down on the couch and let's visit for hours upon hours There were just different Expectations about how love is expressed between the two of you maybe differing expectations on plans for the future these kinds of things can just leave our heads spinning. And when couples fail to make the necessary adjustments. Because all of this is true of all of us. We all come from different backgrounds. We all had different motivations coming into our marriage. We all had certainly different expectations than our spouse. It's just true. But what you and I have to do is make the adjustments along the way because of it. And sometimes couples don't. They don't appreciate the differences. They don't understand the differences. And they become something that drives isolation. Another one Satan uses is a culture's pattern of marriage that might be described as a 50-50 performance relationship. In a 50-50 performance relationship, acceptance is based upon performance. I will accept my spouse and love my spouse as long as they perform. I will give affection and give love to my spouse as long as they perform. As long as my spouse will do their 50, I'll do my 50. This is a 50-50 kind of thing. If she doesn't or if he doesn't, then I don't have to because my love for her, my love for him is based upon his or her performance. This is just destined to self-destruct. For a number of reasons. Number one, our inability to meet all of the unreal expectations of our spouse. Let's say I have an expectation of Tara. She doesn't know it because I haven't expressed it. She doesn't meet the expectation that I haven't expressed. What do I do? I get all bothered by it. How can she meet the expectation that she doesn't know about? Maybe she set up an expectation in her mind of me and, and I don't meet that expectation and it just leads to discouragement and frustration. Here's another one. Because of this, our tendency is to focus on what in our spouse? Sadly, sometimes the weaknesses. And if love and acceptance of our spouse and giving affection and love to them is based upon their performance, if my sinful inclination is to notice the weaknesses in Tara rather than the strengths, that's just leading to trouble. When couples follow our culture's pattern for marriage, the result is often isolation. Listen, it's not easy, but what's, if you will, the game we have to play, husbands and wives? It's not easy, but here's the game we have to play, 100%. 100% is what I give to my marriage. And it's not based upon Tara's performance at all. That's That's the game I'm supposed to be playing. And the game she's supposed to be playing is 100%. 100%, and it's not based upon my performance. We are to love one another and show affection to one another and give to one another and serve one another 100%. It's not a 50-50 performance kind of thing. If you'll perform, then I'll perform. If I perform, then I expect you to perform. I have my responsibility and she has hers. And my responsibility and hers is 100%. Here's another one that Satan uses, inevitable difficulties. Inevitable difficulties that come into our lives. Now most of us understand that life is going to be difficult and that there are going to be problems. Most of us have been around long enough to know. And if we've been married for any length of time, we know it's just gonna be hard, it's going to be difficult. But the reality is, boy, we just never know what's around the corner, do we? Just hardships and trials that we, would, we could never imagine. And the hardships that we could never imagine that may come into our marriage Doesn't mean there's a problem with our marriage. We're not Job's friends who say, you're going through a hard time, must be sin in your life. Your marriage is going through a hard time. Your family's going through a hard time. Must be because you've done something wrong. No, that's not us. God brings trials and hardship into our lives for his often mysterious, but his good reasons. But they can catch us up off guard. Some of you have been married for decades. And you think, we made it this far, honey, ain't nothing gonna stop us now. But how often do we hear about a couple married 32 years, gets divorced, married 46 years, gets divorced, married over 50 years, and lo and behold, they get divorced. It may be for any number of reasons, but sometimes it may be because of hardship that gets introduced, a loss of a job, an illness, a loss of a child. I think it's up over 70%, and some of you have been there. 70% of marriages that lose a child come apart. That is a hard thing. God. You and I have got to be, we've got to have a plan to move through those hard times without rejecting our spouse or withdrawing from our spouse. And I'm not so sure what the plan is, but I think I know one thing. It has to be hand in hand, arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, together, For better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health. Whatever difficulties God may bring our way, together with the Lord, to persevere. Another one Satan might use is extramarital affairs. Now, this is not only what you're thinking. An extramarital affair is an escape from reality or a search for, for, for fulfillment outside of our marriage. And these can take many forms. Activities affair. Maybe the marriage isn't going so well, or maybe you just don't want to deal with it, and so what do you just do? You ramp up the activities of your life. You ramp up the activities of your family's life. You stay so busy that you don't have to face the issue and the struggle that's going on in your marriage. You stick your proverbial head in the sand. Maybe it's a materialism affair. One guy calls it mall therapy. Maybe today the better word would be Amazon therapy. Click, click, we could be here this afternoon. I'm not happy, but if I'll buy the newest stuff, maybe I'll feel better. And so rather than cultivate the marriage and work on the marriage, we go off somewhere else, a career affair. The job becomes more satisfying than the marriage. And so I'll just spend more time on the job. And that just breeds more and more isolation. Maybe it's a family affair we focus on the children and we lose sight of the marriage, right? When it comes to your marriage and your children, your marriage and mine has to be prime. They are not the center of the universe. They cannot rule the life of your family. Husband and wife together. A fantasy affair. That's where we go off in our head to other places and in particular to other people. Maybe it's things that we look at. Maybe it's things that we read. Maybe it's things that we just ponder on. And then, of course, a physical affair. Satan will use these things to create isolation in your marriage and mine. we got to be careful. And finally, number five, Satan uses selfishness. Every one of us has a natural tendency to be self-centered and destructive in our relationships. It's called sin. That's the, maybe the, the core of sin is just self. We get selfish. Our culture today promotes it and encourages selfishness at every turn. Macy and I were driving along the other day, and a song came on, and I'm not so sure it's a selfish song, maybe it's a fun song. And I turned to her and I said, "How creative is that song?" It's Toby Keith. I wanna talk about me, I wanna talk about I, I wanna talk about number one, oh me, oh my, what I think, what I know, what I want, what I see. I like talking about you, 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 you usually. But occasionally, I wanna talk about me. All right, that's a great little song. Me, 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 if you know the song. You've heard me say sometimes we walk into a room like this or we walk into community group or we walk in to work with a a banner over our head that says, here I am, rather than a banner that says, there you are. And many of us walk into our marriages every day. Here I am, serve me, meet my needs jump through my hoops, meet my expectations, scratch my itch, here I am. This marriage is all about me. Our selfish nature focuses on and becomes critical of our spouse's weaknesses, mistakes, or failures to meet our expectations and needs because it's all about me. And if you don't do it just the way I like it, then you will pay. Our disappointment and disapproval of our spouse can then lead him or her to feel rejection, discouragement, anger, bitterness. And our selfish nature even seeks to justify our rejection of our spouse. She doesn't meet my needs. And because it's all about me, I get all messed up and mad about it. And because it's all about me, I'm right in feeling that way. Selfishness is a, boy, it's a pit, is it not? You and I are called to be like God. And God is an overflowing fountain of love towards the other. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit have eternally, before they created the world, before they created you and me, they have been Eternally pouring out love towards one another. God is love, the Apostle John said. And you and I are most like God when we are others-centered, loving others. There you are, not here I am. So there's five. Difficult adjustments. Culture's pattern of a 50-50 performance relationship. Inevitable difficulties. These extramarital affairs. Selfishness. When husbands and wives are selfish, the result is isolation. So this is a reminder to you and me that Satan is after us and he's after our marriage. He has schemes, he has strategies, he has methods, and here's a handful of them that we need to be aware of, we need to be careful about. And in particular, back to Ephesians chapter 6, we need to look to the Lord to help us. Ephesians 6, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. how can we be helped if satan and his demonic realm is intent on destroying our marriages where does our help come from be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might it's interesting that word be strong it's it's a passive verb which means the strength to do it has to come from the outside be strong, or maybe better, be strengthened. But it's a command. So be strengthened in the Lord, in connection with Him, looking to Him, praying to Him, seeking His wisdom, united. To him. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty strength. As strong as our enemy is, God is stronger still. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Just ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth his name from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. If you know Jesus Christ, you and I are united to Jesus Christ. And we have access through him to the Father and the mighty strength of the Lord. In a phrase, maybe, you and I need the Lord in our marriages. We need to seek the Lord as husbands to love our wives as Christ loved the church and to fight against all of the strategies that Satan would use to isolate us from our wives. And wives, you need the Lord to respect your husband and to follow his leadership and to push back against the schemes and the strategies and the methods of the enemy that would seek to create isolation between you and your husband. You need the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might we're not going to close with a song that we're going to sing this morning but we are going to close with a song it's a music video Andrew Peterson dancing in the minefields after we watch it I'll come back up let's watch this together
1: I was 19, you were 21, the year we got engaged, and everyone said we were much too young. not to leave us and his promises are true
0: Minefields, storms, chaos. How do you survive? That's what the promise is for. And we bear the mark of the Son of Man. We find our strength in Him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Would you help us be wise to the schemes of the enemy that would seek to introduce isolation, grow it, and then end our marriages? Would you help us to be aware, to be on the alert, That our adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And help us continually look to you. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Lord, help us to be a people that are humble before you. That seek you in prayer, that look to your word, that worship you and gather with your people, that we might be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And Lord, would you help all of our marriages, wherever they might be, from, from this moment to stay at it, to dance through the minefield with our beloved with our friend. With love and with tenderness, with selflessness, with kindness, with grace, with patience, with forgiveness, with joy, with laughter. Lord, any marriages that are really struggling today, might you just do good work. Through your word this morning, through just a a movement of your spirit in the heart of that husband, in the heart of that wife. Maybe, Lord, it's over these next several weeks, would you do some good work to strengthen those that are struggling, to strengthen all of our marriages? All of this is a great mystery. It's about Christ and His church. It's a husband like Christ, a wife like the church, showing forth the glory of our Savior and His love for His bride. We need you, we're desperate for you. We thank you for your sacrifice upon the cross that paid for all of our selfishness, paid for all of our impatience, paid for all of our sin. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that empowers us for a new kind of living. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.